This is our second week uh, preaching a series that looks at seeing Jesus. How do we see Jesus? In John 12, there's this story where a group of Greeks come and they ask the disciples, and they simply just say, we want to see Jesus, can you help us do that? And I think everyone coming on a Sunday morning, whether you have a history in the church or whether you've never been in church before, you come and, and every week you sit here going, help me see Jesus. Uh, maybe last week I saw him so clearly, I, I heard the sermon and I was, I was tracking along with you, but then, then maybe someone asked me a question at work, or I was at school, or... I was out on a soccer team or wherever you are. And, and all of a sudden, you just started thinking again about, about things that seem to have nothing to do with Jesus. And so, so speak to me again about him. Show me Jesus. There's a, uh, a story that I remember of being in seminary. Uh, I had a class on... Uh, it was my third of three systematic theology classes. And the professor the whole time had been talking to us about the character and nature of God. So we spent, we spent four months going through who God is and how he interacts with us. And, and literally never once did we actually open our Bibles uh, to, to read about who God was from the scripture. And so when we got to the very end of class, the professor had us all sit down, and we all got to ask him questions. And, and so I raised my hand, and I said, so I, I just want you to imagine this with me. I, imagine I go down to Pike Place Market. We were in Seattle. And, and I'm talking to somebody, and I start explaining to them that God is all these big words, omniscient, omnipotent. And, and as I'm explaining this in all these smart terms, that person says, well, where did you get this information? And I say to them, my seminary professor. What would they say about that? Would that be a credible source of information? Because that's really important. Where do we get our information? Because it's not about, when, when we sit here or when we interact with people, it's not about how smart you are or if you can win an argument. But the question is, is what you are saying and what you're seeing real? And, and that's what we want. That's when we sit here and when I speak, I really want to talk about what is most real. And the Bible's absolutely invested in that, and it's beautiful. My favorite story, which I, I shared at camp two weeks ago, was, was this. It's the story in 1 Kings where Israel, the people of God, have, have slowly walked away from him, and they're worshiping another god named Baal. And so Elijah, he, he brings all of Israel together, and they gather on this mountain, and Elijah says this to them. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, and if Baal is God, follow him. So what Elijah says is, he goes, I'm not, just, I'm not trying to trick you. I want you to believe what is true. And if, if Baal is true, go for it. But if, if God is true, what does that mean? And then later, before he makes his sacrifice, he says this. He says, he prays, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. 
and have done all these things according to your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are doing this and that you are turning their hearts back to you. And so my, my prayer this morning as we speak, as we see Jesus again, is that, that you will see, I'm not trying to trick you. You get to see maybe what you've put your hope in and you get to see Jesus and you get to decide. And I pray that God will just be turning your hearts back to him in a, in a real profound way. When we talk about it's either this or that, it's either what you've held on to, what your hopes, what your dreams have been, what you've believed in, or God, that really uh, cuts against the grain of a lot of our culture. So if you, if you went to somebody in Bremerton and, and they disagreed with your belief and you said, it's Jesus or the highway, they would not be happy with you. Right? You wouldn't be friends. We get in this conversation a lot where, where people come in and they like that we provide housing for kids. They like that we work towards uh, educational goals with kids. But they do not like that we talk about Jesus with kids. Why? Because we see Jesus as being the only way. This morning I'm going to talk about, about three um, what Tim Keller has this cool term called defeater beliefs. And three defeater beliefs that I think as you guys are addressed day-to-day in your communication with other people, these are three things that people hold on to to defeat their belief in Christianity, and they are these three things. The first is that all roads lead to God. That you'll be talking to someone and they'll be like, yeah, you know, that's... That's okay that you like that path, but my path will get me to the same spot. The second is that there is no absolute truth. So there's, there's no final say. And the third is this, that life is whatever you make it to be. That all roads lead to God, that there's no absolute truth. And third, that life is whatever you make it to be. And we're going to look at those today by going to John 14. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. In John 14, 1 through 10, Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. So this is great. He just ends by saying, you know to the place where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Then Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip chimes in. They're not going to let Thomas go down by himself. So Philip chimes in. Lord, show us the Father, and that would be enough. And Jesus replies, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. So I think for a lot of us, we're in that place of Thomas and Philip, where, where Jesus will say something clear like, like, you know the way, and we're like, not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> you know the Father. Well, if you could just show us the Father, that would be a lot more helpful. And so, so Jesus, to respond to these things, gives, gives these uh, three illustrations, which is, he says, simply, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. What do these things mean? The first is, I am the way, and this, this response to the defeater belief of all roads lead to the same place. And, and if you say that, this is literally what you're saying. You're saying, I don't have to change. I can just keep, what I'm, keep on doing what I'm doing, and I'll eventually get there. And I'm fine. Right? I'm just going to, whatever path I'm on, I'm, I'm okay. Just leave me be. I don't know if you have, um, you've ever been in that place yourself or if you have talked to someone else who's in that place, but it's absolutely frustrating because what they're doing is they're shutting down all conversation. They're going, I don't even want to talk to you about it. And you're like, no, I've actually thought through this. <laughs> I've actually tried what you're doing. I've, I've tried to pursue my own dreams. I've, I've tried all these other things, and they didn't work for me. I want to talk about this because, because I'm not just throwing myself out there blindly. And then we come to Jesus, and Jesus, when he presents himself, he, he didn't say, so here's a list of rabbis. <laughs> I'm one. You have a great assortment to follow. He didn't say that at all. He says, I am the way. He presented himself as the one fulfillment. But, but the reason why people cling to this old argument of there are so many ways is this, and they pull a mystery card all the time. They will tell you this. One of two things. Well, what about the people in the Amazon who have never heard about Jesus? How many of you guys have heard that before? Yeah. <laughs> what about that person who is deep in Siberia and was like raised by wolves? <laughs> or they go, well, what about that planet out there that is also populated by people? Because we don't know. I and mean, we've got 50 billion light years away and we haven't found anyone, but, but there's a lot of planets. Surely there are other ideas of ways to get to the, you know, and you're like, really? But, but since people ask those things, it's important to be able to answer those things. And literally, if you are a Christian, you don't need to look far to answer those questions. Right? A verse you probably have in your back pocket, John 3.16, works so well. Because <laughs> it is this, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to it. So, so the response is simply this. That person in the Amazon, God loves them. Right? I can't explain why I came to Jesus. Right? It wasn't me going, well, I'm just going to sit in my room by myself and figure this out. 
right? It was that God himself pursued me where I was in the isolation of my selfishness. He, he revealed himself to me in such a way that my eyes were open and I saw Jesus. And pr- praise God that that mystery was revealed to me and that mystery can be revealed to that person in ways that I could never dream. Right? So don't let the, the mystery card And for the person who's like, well, there's got to be alien species somewhere in the world. The gospel is this, that that God sent his only son here. That's pretty special. When I performed a wedding ceremony yesterday, and and in in the wedding ceremony, the words spoken are that you choose this person above all other. And it says the mystery is this, that the mystery is that that's what Jesus is doing to us, his church. Right? So this mystery, right, is there someone out 60 billion light years away? Is No, the mystery is revealed in that God chose us. And we are precious in his sight. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are unique. So, so why do people hold to this? Well, I think why people hold to all roads lead to the same place is because what, what they are holding to is a point of view when Christians hold to a person. Right? If you hold to a point of view, you can debate forever, but when you come to the person of Jesus Christ, things change. When Jesus calls us to follow him, He is not calling us to simply adhere to a set of rules, but he's literally saying, walk with me. That's that's how he called his disciples into relationship with himself. He says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and see what I'm doing. In Jeremiah 6.16, it says, ask for the ancient path. Ask for the good way and walk in it. But then the response to that is, but many say, we will not walk in that way. And so as Jesus presents himself as the only way, right, as uniquely the only way, and reminds you that you are uniquely and wonderfully made, many will just say no. But don't buy it when people say that all roads lead to the same place. Because, because God revealed himself in a much more personal, much more special way than that. You are, you are chosen and you are unique and God has revealed himself to you in a unique way and that is through the person of Jesus Christ and that is, that is the only way. The second is this, there's no absolute truth and Jesus says simply, I am the truth. If you say that there's no absolute truth, this is what you are saying. And you've probably heard this many times. You're talking to somebody and they'll say, well, what's good for you is good for you, but what's good for me is good for me. How many of you guys have heard that one? Yeah. The other people just don't want to raise their hands. It's okay. It's exhausting. I understand. I'll tell you what, I'm doing a lot more work than you are right now. (laughs) Okay. Well, that one covered. Okay. What you're saying is I don't have to answer to anybody. We each can find our own truth. And what's attractive about this, what's attractive about saying there is no absolute truth is that all you're accountable, the only person you're accountable to is yourself. But I will tell you what this looks like on a practical level. If any of you guys have been to a beach and you see a family playing in the sand, and they're just having a great time, but the minute the parent says, 
It's time to go home. There's this extraordinary revolt that happens in the heart of a child. <laughs> but what happens if they don't bring that child home? Right? Well, in a couple of hours, night will fall. And that child will be alone with the great white sharks. Right? But that is what it's like when we are going, oh, it's good for you. Right? Don't, don't impose your absolute truth on me. Right? It's like that when the parent's like, come home. And the child's like, no. <laughs> the sand is better. It will feed me. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> the easiest way to pretend that there is no absolute truth is to say that God has not spoken. As long as we pretend that God has not spoken, we don't have to listen. But what if God has spoken. And in Hebrews 1, in Hebrews 1 it says this. It says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being and the uh, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Right? So we can, we can pretend like God has not spoken, but if he has spoken, if he has revealed himself, then what are you going to do with that revelation? Because you can't fall back on there is no absolute truth because God has absolutely spoken. He's been clear. 78 times through the New Testament, Jesus says these words, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Why? Because Jesus is truthful, and what he is offering you isn't something among other ideas, but he's offering you, right, what? The only way. He isn't giving you a list of options. He's just saying, this is the good way. Walk in it. And in John 14, like we saw, Jesus said, if you trust in God... Trust in me. If you've seen the Father, you have seen me. The fear of absolute truth, I believe, is this. That if there is absolute truth, in absolute truth resides absolute authority, and that terrifies us. Because how will that absolute authority be used? And we have seen the claim of absolute authority be used in horrendous ways throughout history, right? And in, in Philippians where it says, at the end of time where every knee will bow and every single tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? That, that all, when they, they are confronted face to face, unveiled in glory, the Son of God, every knee will helplessly just drop to the ground and acknowledge his absolute authority. But the good news is this, gospel meaning good news. Good news is this, that, that Jesus has used all authority on heaven and earth, which has been given to him to bring people back into relationship with God the Father. Hallelujah. Right? So there is absolute truth, which is absolute authority, but that absolute authority is being used to bring people back into relationship with God. So Jesus has spoken clearly, but often... The challenge is that our preconceived notions keep us from understanding and believing what he says. 
When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, we go, no. When he says, I am good and I'm drunk, no. You're here to judge me. You're here to condemn me. I, I know your plan. And Jesus is saying, no. All authority has been given to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus is the way, and he invites us to follow him. Jesus speaks truth, and he invites us to trust him in that. And lastly, this. Jesus is the life. And for, for those who say life is whatever you make it to be, this is literally what you're saying. You are saying, I know what's best. I am my own person. We just make it up as we go and we hope for the best. But the Bible affirms something very different than that. What the Bible affirms is this, that you do not know what is best, that you are not your own person, and that you have been created with a purpose. I believe when it says that Jesus is the life, it's, it means these two things. One of that, one of those things is that Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things, and that, that Jesus himself is eternal life and offers out eternal life to us. In John uh, chapter 1, it says, uh, verse 3, Through Jesus all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not understand it. In John 5, 26, it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And so in Jesus, we find creator and sustainer. And so so if you say, life is whatever I make it to be, or whatever I choose it to be, or I am my own person, what you are turning a deaf ear to is the one who created you, made you, and still is speaking to you who you are and how you were made to live. And this is, this is powerful, guys. This is incredibly powerful. When you, when you take on yourself the responsibility of deciding who you will be, because you don't have context for that, right? You don't have the context with which to deny your maker the, the right to speak into your life and say, this is who you are. And it is incredible, it is incredible that on a daily basis, we participate in denying our maker the right and ability to speak into our lives and say, this is who you are. I made you for this. You aren't, you aren't chance. You are made. And I, I made you for this. And when Jesus says, I am the life. Jesus says, I was, when, I, when I fashioned you, when I made you, I made you to have me a part of your life. Not just for the present, but for all eternity. 
In John 11, it says this. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? As Jesus speaks into your life, he goes, you aren't just temporary. You are eternal. And the more you enjoy me now, and the more you enjoy me communicating my absolute truth and my absolute authority into your life, the more your soul will participate in this eternal song that I'm already singing, right? The more you will be able to walk with this hope of not just, not just mired down in present challenges or present difficulties, but you will, you will rise to this, <laughs> this elevated place, literally, of going, I am his, and he, is he has been speaking since the creation of the world, and he is still speaking, and he's speaking into my life, and that's what I trust, that's what I hope in, and that's what I'm going for, that's, what, that's, that's who I am. And that's an unshakable place to be. And that is what Jesus is offering when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He says, follow me. Will you follow him? He's saying, I am trustworthy and I speak truth. Will you trust him and will you believe him or will you deny him the ability to speak into your life? Because if you believe him, if you trust him, the promise is incredible. And the promise is that he will walk with you and lead you and guide you, not just in the present, but for all eternity. So what do we do with this as a church? What we do with this as a church is we not just speak this to one another, but we learn how to humbly communicate this to people who are still using these three excuses. Because that is all that they are. Right? The person who uses the excuse, all paths will lead to the same place because that is not true. And that is hurtful. To speak to the person who says there is no absolute truth because we know better than that. Because we know that there are paths that lead to destruction. There are paths that lead to death. And there are paths that lead to depression and hopelessness. And all those things that are ransacking the world and your neighbors. Right? There is a truth that speaks life into that. And we want to present that in a humble way saying, come no life. Right? That's what we do as a church that really believes these things. It's not in, not in arrogance or haughtiness, not in thinking you're special because you are privy to this information. It is because you are amazed by the fact that God so loved you that he opened your eyes to participate in this great reality of who Jesus is. And that you can be... <laughs> Absolutely humbled by that fact and just show people, look, look what I've found. This is true. This is good. And this can be yours too. And so we will, we will be a church to the extent that we live in these truths, that we love Jesus, and that we offer these humbly to other people also. Amen? Amen. Amen. So guys, I, I pray for you as people bring, there, there are more defeater beliefs that people have. There are more defeater beliefs people will bring against you. They will make excuses for not trusting the absolute authority and absolute goodness of God. But you, as you experience, as you walk with Jesus and enjoy that,
you can humbly hold out the words of life and say, come and see that the Lord is good. And he is so good. Pray with me and then we'll sing together. God, there's, there's truly nothing, nobody like you. And for many of us, we've spent most of our lives seeking another way, hoping that we don't have to listen to your words, hoping that we could just follow our own hearts. But God, we know that when we follow our hearts, it's like we're blind. God, I pray in your mercy will open all of our eyes, all of our hearts, to see Jesus, to see him as the way, the truth, the life, and to put 100% of our trust in him. That we live no longer for ourselves, but we, we live for the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And we realize how incredibly special that is. God, we love you, and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.